1: Yes. Welcome back. As we head into our two, it's uh, your hour uh, open line six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We covered a lot. Got a lot more to do. But Sean has called in at the last segment of the last hour to talk a little bit, a little bit of political philosophy in America, Uh, Sean and Chandler. uh, And we had to hit the break. Uh, Sean, are you still there, sir?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to hang up, but I, I, I thought I'd I have a question I wanted to. Uh, well, you're ask you're right.
1: You're right in the wheelhouse of things I love talking about most. So I'm glad you okay, stayed okay. on.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if it's off topic, if it if you have other colleges. nothing you know, is college, off topic,
1: go. as we say here. Okay, you know, cool. um, as Lincoln said, it's it's all our territory.
2: I like that. I like that. So so I, I, I listen to you, Prager and Shapiro. Uh, I mean, I listen to other things as well, but I make it a point to listen to you guys every day. Um,
1: Sounds like so, a law firm, uh, Prager, Shapiro, and Leibson.
2: Oh, so, now, you, you, guys, you guys are the same kid. No, no, no. You guys are great. No, seriously. You're right there. That's why I listen to you. So, um, but did you hear what Prager said? Uh, and I want your thoughts on it. And I've been thinking about it a lot. He was talking about that Fuentes Holocaust denier.
1: Yeah, Nick Fuentes, guy, yeah. And,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, holoca- Holocaust deniers are going to go to hell. You know? I was like, jeez. So I I thought I've been thinking about that a lot. I I don't know if you've heard him say that. I heard him him say it yesterday,
1: and it shocked me to hear him say it. Yeah. Because I've never heard him speak so strongly on it, and yet I don't disagree. It was shocking for me to hear Dennis, who I kind of think of like a lot of people think of. I think his – what's his – what's that Harvard student? He does a podcast with his name – Julie oh, yeah, Hartman. A, a woman, right? I think Julie yeah, yeah, Hartman yeah. once said. I think of him. A lot of people think of him as America's grandfather. And um, oh, for sure. And I, I just hadn't heard him use language that strongly before, or at least not in a long time. So I, I know exact. I will never forget it, Sean. Yeah, he said it yesterday. I, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead with your thought on it. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I was. I, I, yeah, I just want to get your thoughts. And this is. So I've been. He said it on I think Thursday or Friday last week. And so I've been thinking about it a lot. And I think this is why he's right. I think this is why he's right. So I'm just kind of uh, freestyling here. I haven't real prepared anything. Sure. But the, the the thought that came to my mind was there's that great quote at the Nuremberg um, rallies where they burn books.
1: Yeah. It's
2: a great. Uh, it's it's a it's a powerful powerful um, uh, quote by this Jewish philosopher. He says, "Those who burn books in time will burn people." Mm. You know. Mm. And so to burn a book. The, the principle is is to is to deny what is true, not not just deny it out of ignorance or, you know, maybe tradition, but like an, a conscious choice to to you know, um, ignore it, um, set it aside. And and I think I think Holocaust there, it, it's there is indisputable. I mean, it, 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 to to know that the Holocaust happened. And I think it's like a it's an outward symptom of like a deep, deep spiritual sickness that exists within the person, you know mm-hmm. and I, and I think um so like for example uh I, I you know just to bring you know the the, the scriptures into a little bit, um, even for those who may not not you know follow what the scriptures say, but like if Christ is the antithesis of what is true, right Satan is the complete antithesis of lies. And so when—I when read a great book, People of the Lie, have you ever heard of that before?
1: I certainly have. I started reading it. I read it about two years ago. Um, yes, it was—wasn't it—was it Scott Peck or something like that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I had never heard of it until about two years ago, and I read it then. It
2: is—the first chapter is—it's it, not that interesting, but after that— he It's goes a heck of it, a like book, later, by the way. A heck of oh, a book. Oh, it's 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 amazing. And so he lays out what it may, what it means to make somebody or what what it means to be evil,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
2: And so if if on one hand you have truth, what is things as they really are, and on the other hand you have lies, the conscious choice to believe in lies is 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 a symptom of a deep spiritual sickness. Correct. And I think it's completely consistent with those who deny the Holocaust are going to go to hell because it's not denying the Holocaust; it's just a deeper, it's like. Uh, so anyway, I don't want to keep going on. But No,
1: you can complete so. the thought. I'm guessing that the completion of that thought is something like to deny it is in a way to agree with it.
2: You know, it's interesting. That's a, I never thought about that. I like well, that. Yep. why
1: else would one want to deny it? Why else would one want to right. deny a genocide that has been so substantially documented from not only living witnesses and survivors to it, to the pictures that, dwight eisenhower took of it and numerous numerous admissions and trials uh you know right, what, right. what else is the purpose of denying it other than to uh, right. to agree with it when you listen to if you listen to nick fuentes um you know it's an interesting question too sean should someone listen to him and and I, right. you know, a lot of people will say um no i i'm not so sure that's the right answer uh, no, I, I, I think they should be yeah I, yeah, I want people to see what the face of modern evil and looks like stalking yeah, this sure. ground. I want people to see for it. Sure. Um, and and when he talks about the the Jews who were put in ovens as as little cookies uh, that couldn't possibly oh fit gosh, into those like, onions uh, ovens, I'm sorry. You know, to to I I think I think to deny it is is to um, agree with it sotto voce, and I bet you if you scratch and get it into magna voce, which is, you know, what you would say out loud, you would find it not a very deep scratch to get that that admission is true. Why do they say the things they say about Jews today who are alive and the things they say about them if they didn't agree with what was done? Why would you say Hitler is a great man? Why would you say and double down on that? You know the idea that the holocaust uh, or nazism used to be held up as as a singularly important piece of history is obviously because the modern world had not seen such a such a depredation of humanity committed by other humans but the other thing that it illustrated um was the education of the difference between evil and decent, or evil and 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 good, and and if you can't have that replica, is there something more representative of what Satan would want or the devil would want to erase the for distinction sure. between good and evil? Is that not what the devil is supposed to be, but the great confuser?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, um, and it, uh, yeah, you, yeah, you just what you. Give me a lot, a lot of thoughts, you know, but I, I think that is. You mentioned uh, in your show, I think like a week or two ago, like, are we optimistic about the future of the country and you yeah. know, um, stuff like that. And, and one of the things that does worry me is is we seem to be entering this realm of of burning books, if you will, you know, like this. We do so like we people, burn like and ban them. That, you
1: bet we do. We burn yeah, and ban yeah. books, tweets, radio shows, lectures, yeah, monologues, professors.
2: Sure. Yep, right. And so people think like, well, if science just proves it, then we'll believe it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, no, no. And I think that's the that's at the heart of what scares me is where, when you have things that are just so clear, like, for example, like the covid, the the the, the realities of, you know, the, the, of the covid vaccines and or the lack of evidence of it actually, you know, you know, curing covid and, and you can't even speak it. And so it's just we, we live at a very, you know, scary and dangerous time. But I'll leave you with this. So, from the book of Revelation, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to go scriptural again here, if you don't mind. So, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the war in heaven and, and Satan was cast out. So, the way that those that were in heaven at the time, the angels in heaven, the way they overcame Satan was the testimony of Christ. And, I, and even if you don't believe in Christ, I think this is the principle. It's like if Christ is the antithesis of what is true and Satan is the antithesis of, what is, of all lies, the way you overcome evil is through what is true. And I think that's the only way we can fight is just by speaking the truth and, you know, accept the consequences.
1: So what worries me? Um, so I'm not as well versed in this as you are. Um, so I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not. Uh, to confess my my own ignorance. Oh, you're fine. But, you're, you're, but, you're
2: well versed in many other ways. Well,
1: I don't know. <laughs> but but what it, what worries me most about this trust the science stuff which is a small part of what you're saying. You've said some big stuff and, and very good, and I thank you for it, and I think I agree with all of it. By the way, I agree with Dennis, too. I When I said I was shocked to hear him say it, I yeah, wasn't shocked yeah, in yeah. the sense that I disagreed with it so much as I just never heard him say something that forceful. That's what I meant by my right, shock. I, right, he, it's something deep within him was 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 projected with that question, yeah, and, and I felt
2: that that's why I've given so so much power. Hold, hold, hold
1: the ground a moment, hold the, hold the line a minute, Sean. This is too big okay, to sure. let go, and yet i okay, I do okay, have to cool. yield it to the uh, to the uh, to the commercial board. Is This be? is this is I'm, I'm glad you're doing this, Sean. thank you uh, We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. I'm punishing Sean and Chandler for calling in with a bunch of deep thoughts by uh, eating up his uh, his cell phone minutes or whatever and patience. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. No, you brought up a lot, Sean, that goes to some of the most important stuff in our society and culture. Yeah. On the notion, I mean, we've, we've gone from Lenin to the Holocaust and Nick Fuentes to this issue of science. And um, the thing that worries me most about science and trusting the science, uh, especially when it's supposed to be trusted over every and all other considerations, is that science doesn't necessarily have a morality to it. It's kind of like money in a way. It can be used for good and it can be used for evil. You can have a Jonas Salk or you can have a Joseph Mengele. Joseph Mengele was one of the most uh, respected physicians in Germany in the twenties and thirties until he became the angel of death. And and I I often quote I often quote this teacher um, who wrote to a, a child. Uh, there was a famous child psychologist in the seventies named Heim Genot, and um, he 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 put in his book um, I think it's the book between. Uh, between teacher and student is, I think, the name of the book. Um, this 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 short letter from a teacher, uh, she writes, I'm a survivor of a concentration camp. My eyes saw what no person should witness. Gas chambers built by learned engineers, children poisoned by educated physicians, infants killed by trained nurses, women and babies shot by high school and college graduates. So I'm suspicious of education. My request is this, help your children become human. Your efforts must never produce learned monsters, skilled psychopaths, or educated Eichmanns. Reading, writing, and arithmetic and science are important only if they serve to make our children more human. That's what's lost when we blindly follow science, uh, or whoever claims to be the greatest of scientists. It doesn't tell you much about their morality or what they intend or can do with it. Let me plant that and one more thing, and then you can have any say you want sure, or sure. give up. <laughs> I don't know what, no, but um, no, no, no. no the I, no, the one more thought, yeah, thing yeah. I have to say: I'm as angry at Holocaust deniers as I am at people, particularly the left in this country, that loosely throw around the word fascist and Nazi simply because. Yeah they use those words against as 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 superlatives against politicians or political uh leaders they don't like um because what they are doing is they too are denying the toxicity of what those terms really mean and you know you continue to cry wolf like this people stop believing it if donald trump's a nazi I know of six million people that would have given their eye teeth to live under that Nazi. I will tell you this, um, the story of crying wolf is unfortunate, because at the end, what we all tend to forget in that story is there really is a wolf, and we won't recognize it when it comes, because we have so diminished the currency of that word.
2: To bring something else up uh, that—actually, it's funny you say that. So. My Just contempt, like in other ago. words,
1: is is equal for Holocaust deniers as it is oh, sure, for people no. yeah. who capriciously throw that word around for political domestic oh, for sure. political, domestic political for sure. uh, exploitation.
2: There was so Prager mentioned this this article and this this was like ten years ago, but this article came out like in the like fifties, early sixties, and like, it was like Time magazine. I can send you a link to it. It's actually fascinating. It's called Tikolsky's Complaint, and so it was this uh, this Jewish guy that lived in Germany. And he was railing against the government before the fascists came, before the fascists came, <laughs> railing against the, the the German government at the time. I forgot what it was called, but um, Weimar, they were maybe. fascists. You know? Yeah, they were fascists. But when the real fascists came, there was no place to go. He eventually went to Sweden and killed himself. Okay. And so it's, it's just a fascinating, you know, uh, you know. and we see the same thing today. Like, oh, yeah, we're fascists? Like, really? Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. And back to the science,
1: uh, what also scares Please me... Please send that to um, me, by the way. I'm, I'm unfamiliar I with will. it. It's, uh, if it's interesting yeah, yeah, to it's you, it's Sikorsky's interesting complaint. to me. You have been endlessly yeah, interesting yeah, today. Thank you. Oh you're, oh, you're so sweet.
2: So there was an article, and I'll leave you at this, about oh, five, some years ago in the New York Times, where they were talking about, it was a story about what what's going on in the New York schools, how kids are not being taught objective truths.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so not just morality, but even... And it, it, it kind of bled over even into the sciences. And so um, th- that scares me when you have—yeah, the, the, the Nazis were were brilliant scientists, but they had no moral—well, they did have a moral foundation. It was just a, an evil moral foundation, but they didn't have a—and infor- when you take away the morality and you, you know, uh, educate educated barbarians, yeah. you just have a bunch of educated barbarians, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um But anyways, yeah, I'll let you go. I'll send that. I'll send that article. Yeah, please uh, to you. do.
1: Please do. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And I'll recommend one for you and the rest please of the do. audience. Um, you can find online. And if you don't and you email me, I'll email it to you. You know, though, those famous Norman Rockwell portraits that um, that made it into the Saturday evening post on the Four Freedoms. You know, based on, uh, you know, those. Uh, like the Thanksgiving yeah, dinner. Yes. Sure. Well, the freedom of speech, uh, the freedom of assembly, the freedom of conscience. He did he did four portraits based on the four oh, freedoms of those. Franklin mm-hmm. Roosevelt. Oh, interesting. And they were in okay. the Saturday Evening Post. And each one was accompanied by an essay from a famous historian. Read the one on freedom of Speech because the essay is so dang good. It's an imaginary conversation between Stalin and Hitler, and oh, it God. sounds like it would be right up your lane with how you oh, started sure. about what it means to ban books and what it leads to.
2: Yeah, or burning oh, for sure. books. For I sure. Think was what you well, so hey, keep up the good work. You're awesome. I keep listening to you, so just
1: keep the good work. I like like keep listening to you. to you. Thank you, Sean. Oh, well, stop Thank you You're very okay. much. Okay, take care, buddy. Thank you. I want to learn more about this guy. What 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 made him gel to those things that we think about, on the one hand, deeply when we think about them, and on the other hand, probably as a society, not deeply enough? I don't know if people have come to grips with or grasped um, how a Nick Fuentes can become, in some precincts, so normalized, but nor do I think they know what to do with the fact that the words used to describe him— are the same words that are used to describe almost every Republican. Um, You know, this inability to make any kind of moral distinction and to collapse important distinctions. You know, there's a difference between good and less good. There's a difference between opinions. Jefferson talked about in his first inaugural. Doesn't mean there's a difference of principles. But what we have faced uh, with the onslaught Of epithets from the left, is as if we don't have the same principles anymore. And when I see people marching and genuflecting before a Marxist banner um, and using the same tactics of Marxism all the way through, from the destruction of uh, symbols, uh, statues, and history, um, I, I question a society that understands evil anymore if marxism isn't um evil um nazism isn't evil the body count actually tilts further in one direction but they are both evil that occurred dramatically in our parents and grandparents lifetimes and unfortunately still around us today and we don't see it anyway sean thank you i'm seth we'll be right back Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Some hefty stuff. Uh, Looks like we may still be on it, and that's okay. That's why we're here. Charles is in Phoenix. Hello, Charles.
3: Yes, sir. I just have a question. I heard all of the, you know, uh, moaning and groaning about Nick Fuentes, and I haven't listened to him a lot. But what I did was this interview that was being uh, cited by everybody, I decided to listen to it. So I listened to the entire thing. Which
1: interview is that?
3: One he did with Alex Jones. Okay. When uh, Kanye West was there.
1: It and was mostly was, a Kanye West interview, right? He yeah. didn't talk that much. I don't think during
3: that. No. Yeah. But he only it, I've heard him then and a couple other times, and I have heard him say that he doubts the number six million. So my question to you is, and I. I think he said in that interview that he doesn't hate Jews, but my question to you is, uh, is it your view that if somebody doubts the number, 6 million, does that make them a Holocaust denier? Uh, in, in, words, it, yeah, it, in part in part it does. It's, it's, it's a first
1: good clue to it because it makes you want to ask with so much substantiation of it from Russian records and from German records from American records, from Nuremberg records, from uh, familial testimony, and from museums. It's one of the most documented genocides ever, uh, why someone would want to do that. So it goes to motive, which is a good first step to asking why they're doing it. They never talk about the other 5 million people that were killed in the Holocaust. I'm sorry if I'm interrupting you.
3: My apologies. Go ahead. Did you hear
1: anything I said?
3: Yeah, you didn't answer my question. I think I did. Well, you said yeah you, you, you were talking just, while i was talking you were talking while
1: I was talking, which tells me you weren 't really interested in my answer, Charles. Um, I can try it again, but i 'm going to put you on hold because it 's an important question uh, to those who are um, unlearned in this issue um, it, it goes to the motive which is the ha- which is the first part of the question as to why they want to do that when it is one of the most substantially documented based on German based on Soviet based on um, other uh, historical accounts, based on familial testimony, based on the testimony of the Nazis themselves at Nuremberg, based on the testimony of survivors, based on what you can see in Europe from before 1945 and after, based on what you can see at the various museums that have dedicated the research to it, based on several books— Um, that have been unquestionably uh, pure in their documentation. And then the question that comes after it is, if we know it was 6 million Jews, why is the other 5.1 million people who were slaughtered in the Holocaust never questioned? Why is it only the numbers of Jews that are questioned? So yes, yes, it is. Um, and, 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 And I can't do better than that. If you want to, listen to spend your time listening to Nick Fuentes, go ahead and do that. Your time would be better spent reading Lucy Davidovich's The War Against the Jews. It would teach you a lot more. It's a lot more substantial. It's a lot more credible. In fact, it has all the credibility in the world, and he has none of it, which is kind of the problem of people like Kanye West hanging around with him and Nick Fuentes hanging around with someone who says he loves Hitler and Hitler was a very good man. Why would you say that? What is the very good that he did? even if you take out the Jewish question. Was he good for Czechoslovakia? Was he good for Poland? Was he good uh, for anything? Really, anything. Give me one good thing. Uh, If if there is to be found one good thing, it is the one thing that Nick Fuentes, Kanye West, and others will not identify, which is um, a too late and too sad uh, and too unfortunate need to illustrate once again the difference between good and evil. We've had enough illustrations of it. If he doesn't represent that uh to this world of modernism or even postmodernism or even post postmodernism, then there is nothing that can instruct you on evil. Nothing. And uh that is why um I feel sorry for the world we live in, because we are now doing wholesale with Marxist Leninism, what uh unfortunately these uh gutter dwellers have done with Hitler. And it um, it is a terrible thing to do to Western civilization, destroy the notion and the distinction between good and evil and right and wrong. Um, if you like the way that the world is going, we'll continue going down that path. But it is not a good path, and it's not looking very good, and it really won't end well, won't end well at all. There's no ability to distinguish the difference between the bombings of London by Adolf Hitler and the bombings uh, and retaliation uh, against Germany by uh, Winston Churchill if you don't understand the difference between good and evil and the difference between Adolf Hitler and Winston Churchill. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you are concerned with stock markets volatility, our friends and supporters at Y refi have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that defi- that uh, that delivers a high fixed rate of return up to 10.25%. That's right, 10 and a quarter percent. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter y, then com, or give them a call at 888 yrefi 34 888 34 34. Sean, earlier caller, uh, mentioned Douglas Murray, and it's funny that he did because I've been talking a lot about Douglas Murray, and I meant to uh, uh, play some audio of his today. Uh, I played some the other day. I can't tell you how good and important this debate is. He did uh, this Monk debate, M-U-N-K debate that he did with uh, Matt Taibbi against Malcolm Gladwell and... um, and Michelle Goldberg from the New York Times. I can't. T- I, I know I've spoken a lot about it. It's just that important to watch for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, to see a brilliant mind at work, which is Douglas Murray's, um, and two, to see the idiocy and the low level of intelligence that exists at the New York Times in the voice of uh, in the debating. I was going to say debating skills, but lack of debating skills in Michelle Goldberg, an editor at the New York Times, just amazing how uh, how unqualified she was to be on a stage over the debate, the question of which was, um, can you trust the mainstream media? And Malcolm Gladwell, you know many of his books probably, uh, Blink, Outliers, that kind of stuff. I'll never read another book of his again, um, or at least I'll never buy another book of his again. I might read one, but I won't buy it. Uh, the, the, the arrogance uh, of that man and the uh, belittling, uh, rush to the cheapest form of debate, which was to accuse the other side of racism where there was none. Uh, just just the supercilious uh, Malcolm Gladwell. I was shocked at uh, what, a, what a poor character he showed himself to be on that stage, as I was shocked to see how dumb Michelle Goldberg was. I didn't know until I saw this debate. That's what a good c- debate can do, by the way. It can, it can reveal a lot of teaching. Some of the greatest learning comes from From these kinds of interactions. But I I had intended and I will do so now if I can. Do I have enough time in this segment? I don't know. I think I do. Uh, I I played the other day. I think yesterday I played Douglas Murray's uh, opening statement. I would like to I should like to now give you his closing one throughout the debate. Malcolm Gladwell kept calling him Doug. His name is Douglas, which is going to explain why uh, why uh, Douglas Murray uh, opens his closing remarks the way he does.
4: For that closing
3: statement, Malcolm, we're now going to go to Douglas. Same opportunity, three minutes on the clock.
4: Well, Malk, <laughs> um, I'm going to try to take this more seriously than you did in your endless creation of straw men, which just is ceaseless this evening, um, and address what I think is the real problem we have in our century in terms of information technology. Having different opinions is so 20th century. This century, we have different facts. And it's lethal. It's absolutely lethal for the functioning of society. And if you want to see how lethal it is, look at the situation in America, where not just the media, but every institution, the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, the the Supreme Court, every institution, You decide whether it's for your side or not. It's disastrous for society. But it starts with the facts. And when the facts go wrong, or you become glib about them, or decide that it's just the facts that will suit your side, or pretend you're playing a game of honesty and are not actually playing a game of honesty, everything else in the society can go to hell. This side has not... Been saying any of these straw men that you've been so kindly creating this evening, Malcolm? We've been saying that the mainstream media cannot be trusted. That is all. We're not saying don't read it. I repeat, we're not saying don't absorb it. Of course, you'd be an idiot to say that. What you think we're only going to read Substacks for the rest of life? There's not even time. But the mainstream media is currently failing. It is failing you, the public. It is failing its employees. It's failing at its central task. You quoted one example of what journalism was meant to consist of. I would quote another, what George Orwell said. It's out on his statue outside the BBC. Sadly, the employees do not read it every morning before going in. But... <laughs> But George Orwell famously said that the job of a journalist was to tell people facts they don't want to hear. The problem we have in our century coming up is that people will be paying for and absorbing only the facts they want to hear. The argument we are making is one of hygiene, basic hygiene in the media, in the mainstream media. I don't want to blow it up. I don't want an end to it or anything like it. I spent a significant amount of my life in the mainstream media. We just want it to be honest. We just want it to be factual. We don't want it to chase its own prejudices. We just want it to speak truth, whatever that is. That's not so radical.
1: And so when mainstream media types criticize we on the right or we conservatives for doubting them, give them that response. It's not because we hate you. It's because we want you to do what we expect of you. And it wasn't four days after that debate with the New York Times that the New York Times wrote of the Hunter Biden laptop that the reason they quashed the story was because it was a stolen laptop. Not factual. A lie. He was right. I didn't think about it when he mentioned even institutions like the Supreme Court. It was earlier this year when A Supreme Court justice, Sonia Sotomayor, in open argument before the Supreme Court, put out a fact that was monumentally wrong by a factor of like 10 having to do with children and COVID hospitalizations. Yeah, we all need to be dealing with the same facts. To the degree that we make mistakes on the right, we try to correct them. To the degree they make mistakes in the mainstream, they try and bury it. They try and bury it. Anyway, watch the debate. I, it's tremendously enlightening for a lot of reasons. I'm Seth Liebson, and we will be right back. Oh, I got to do this story with you. Some years ago, somewhere around in nineteen late 90s, Dinesh D'Souza wrote a book called The End of Racism, and the main thesis of which was we have substantially... And by de jure um, law, banned and outlawed and gotten rid of most institutional and substantial uh, noticeable racism as it was traditionally understood. He was lambasted. But his point was that we're now chasing things of irrelevancy. And I have to tell you, this this story in The Washington Post, I just got to bring it. This is The Washington Post. Here's the headline. Shark Week lacks diversity, overrepresents men named Mike scientists say. Can I just read you a little bit of this? Lisa Whitenack loved shark as a kid. She spent rainy days leafing through a guide to sharks and Reader's Digest. Every summer, she would watch Shark Week, Discovery's annual TV event that spotlights the ocean predator with seven days of dedicated program. But when the scientist appeared on her TV screen, she rarely saw any woman she could look up to. Why... Why would I know I could do that, Whiteneck said. I don't come from a family of scientists, and I didn't see very many people that looked like me on television. Whiteneck, now a biology professor in Pennsylvania, found her way into shark research anyway. When the pandemic lockdowns came in 2020, she saw an opportunity to study the sources of her old misconceptions. Was Shark Week feeding audiences the wrong messages about sharks and who studies them? She led a team of researchers to examine hundreds of Shark Week episodes that aired between 1988 and 2020 in a study published last month by the Public Library of Science. And their research claims that Discovery's programming emphasized negative messages about sharks, lacked useful messaging about shark conservation, and overwhelmingly featured white men as experts, including several with the same name. We need a shark defamation leak, folks. Too much negative messaging about sharks. Unbelievable. The the study found the trend persisted throughout almost all of the television's event history. Over 90% of the experts were white, the study found, and 78% were men. It's a problem for the sharks. It's a problem for men. It's a problem for women. Boy, it's a luxurious and easygoing country that can focus on this and occupy the Washington Post with this, isn't it? We'll be right back.